1: Hey, hey, how you doing? Are you going a little stir-crazy, getting that cabin fever? You know, it's been fascinating. We've seen so many people out and about more active in their neighborhoods, hanging out on the drive with their kids. It's been a great thing to see. I have with me today, Father Tim Grumbach, who's joining me via the phone today as we're in the midst of our quarantine here in California, everyone keeping separate, lots of social distancing going on. Coming up, we're going to be talking about some really intriguing things that Orlando Bloom has had to say. So don't go away. You'll want to hear that. He's talking about celibacy, pornography, and more. We'll also be talking about about what's going on with men are the men in society where we need them to be given the current state of affairs again joining me today is Father Tim Grumbach Father Tim how you doing
2: uh, pretty good this is so very different I really miss being in the studio with you there but you no know, um, I honestly believe and I've been saying this about the church and everything we are just kind of making things up as we go along and so we have the technology to do it so it's, it's amazing to still be able to reach out and to, to be a part of all this
1: Amen. Thank you for joining me. And a little later on this week, for those who want to listen, they can catch the episode where Father Tim's going to be talking about what's going on with the coronavirus from the perspective of our Catholic priests as well. So you want to catch that episode as well. You can find it at radiotrending.com. So Father Tim, first and foremost on my mind right now, uh, I've been so frustrated because we've seen that, unfortunately, either the Planned Parenthood abortion clinics are either refusing to close when they should be. Or in some cases, like in California, California Governor Gavin Newsom here has decided that Planned Parenthood abortion clinics are necessary medical care and they are keeping the doors open to the abortion clinics. And there's, I think, a lot we can do about this, but isn't it heartbreaking that at a time of disarray of crisis for a lot of people. Unfortunately, places like Planned Parenthood can utilize scare tactics to make people believe that they will have no future if they have a child.
2: And it's that use of the word essential, isn't it? That word is going around almost as much as the the term social distancing. And um, to use the word essential with abortions, that's something that uh, we in the pro-life movement have been trying to fight against, is any semblance of uh, understanding that that abortions are something that are essential, that there is any time that uh, an abortion is a necessary medical action. So to use the word essential during this time, it's, it's really not very helpful.
1: There's a lot we can do to make a difference right now. Unfortunately, 40 Days for Life campaigns have been suspended. And you can imagine that the pro-abortion industry is so happy that people aren't outside on the sidewalks praying and counseling as much as they had been. But here's the thing, Father Tim, I feel like now more than ever, if we are able, if we are capable, of of course, within the context of a safe environment, to go out onto the streets, this is where we need to be. I was just asking my pastor this weekend saying, you know what, we live this community here where our churches is, is, predominantly Catholic and predominantly Hispanic. And unfortunately, Planned Parenthood puts abortion clinics specifically targeting populations that they believe to be minority populations. And this area where we're at just happens to be one of those areas. And I was telling them the high, high rate of, um, or should I say, the declined rate of women and men who go in for their abortion appointments, really the numbers go down. They have a very, very high turn up rate in the abortion clinics when there is clergy out in front of the abortion clinic. And so one of the things I've been saying is that we need to ask our pastors right now if they are able to go to one of the places where the people will see them, and that is in front of those abortion clinics to help save the lives they can and bring hope in the midst of crisis, because that's not what Planned Parenthood is doing.
2: Right. And it's kind of feeding off this sense of isolation and aloneness that I'm sure there are so many uh, people affected by the decision to have an abortion who are facing a lot of loneliness and uh, not receiving support from family and friends and their community around them. So they feel that they've been given no other choice. So it's this counterfeit necessity, this counterfeit uh, um, essential need for this medical action, or so they would call it. That it's you know our experience as Christians has taught us that we, we we've got to fight that isolation. We've got to fight that counterfeit necessity. And, you know, I was just thinking about this this morning, um, offering my first Mass for the day, and I'll be offering another one later today in private. You know, this this isolation is, is something that uh, keeps us from the, the true healing that we need, because it's the story of a, a man who's at the pool in Ju- Jerusalem and waiting for somebody to bring him down to the healing waters, mm. and when nobody will come and bring him down, Jesus comes and finds him and gives him a deeper healing than he needs, and so while organizations like Planned Parenthood, any abortion clinic, is trying to offer their services, if you will call them that, as some kind of healing physical remedy that we have something so much more powerful to offer, and, and that happen, has to happen in community. So um, as, as priests, as seminarians, I can tell you from my own experience as a seminarian that a few times I was invited by other seminarians, and we went and we prayed a rosary outside of an abortion clinic that That the community is needed, and it might be uncomfortable to be out there at first, but uh, the the community that comes with it is the only solution, the only way to, to resolve all of this when people are facing that isolation, that loneliness, especially in this time.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Father Tim Grumbach can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'll sure be sure to post links out to him on social media. You can find me at Timory, that's T I M M E R I E. He's a pastor there at St Augustine Parish and the los angeles diocese father tim i'm looking at what's happening and as you just said you know going out for the abortion clinic um, as a way to pray and to intervene is a great thing that we can do right now and i really want to call on you if you're listening and you're able you're healthy and you're out in the fresh air right out on the streets it's not like you're you no know, in necessarily in close proximity with people if you can go and pray on the public sidewalk in front of an abortion clinic for the women who are entering. If you can encourage others to come out, we need to stand up as a church at this time. And this is one of those moments where, um, I think that Planned Parenthood and the other abortion clinics are going to be abandoned. The women in need, are going to be abandoned when they need us most and so if you can call on your pastor to come out as well again i mentioned earlier at the top of the show that it makes an incredible influence on the number of people who actually enter into the abortion clinic when they see the pastors out there and they have next to no one coming into the clinic at times when a pastor some form of religious is out in front of the abortion clinic but also there's more that you can do father tim there's actually a campaign right now going around you can learn about it at protestpp.com that's protestpp.com and we're calling on all individuals to first call their governor and ask for the Planned Parenthood businesses to be closed at this time and then if you have the time to call a list of But we're calling red level governors who are more apt to keep abortion clinics open at this time. Uh, And then if you have time, call all of our governors here in the United States, because this is ridiculous. If people are talking about not spreading the coronavirus, if people are talking about keeping others safe, it's unacceptable that our abortion clinics are open at this time. It is not a medical necessity for a woman to have an abortion.
2: Yeah, and it's really frustrating to hear that, too, and see the, the different things that we are struggling with as a church and what we're trying to keep open, what we're being asked to close down. Um, you know, unfortunately, here in Los Angeles, we are still hearing confessions. We are still going to serve the sick if we can. You know, in hospitals, it's difficult to get in uh, unless it's an end-of-life situation, but that's here in Los Angeles. We still have the opportunity to offer those sacraments. But I've, I'm talking to some of my priest friends throughout the country who say in some of their dioceses, they, they're not even allowed to hear confessions anymore because of how close the interaction can be in order to keep that social distancing. And that's another conversation for another day. But uh, can we believe that you know, we are um, being prevented by this to offer that? sacrament of healing, while, you know, these abortion clinics are still staying open to offer what, let's be honest, is a sacrament of death. And so we have uh, a lot to pray about, a lot to sacrifice, and And fast for in order to bring back the sacraments of life and uh, continue to fight against this culture of death.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You can listen to more episodes at radiotrending.com or follow me on Instagram and other social media platforms that you enjoy at Timory. That's T I M M E R I E. I just want to emphasize for a second that abortion is not a medical necessity. So, for some reason, you're having this conversation with people. One, abortion is never a medical necessity. If anything, perhaps an early delivery might be a medical necessity, but not an abortion. And just to kind of drive home that point, this is why gynecologists, all OBGYNs, the majority of them do not perform abortions. Why? Because it is not basic medical care for women. And that's the bottom line. And so that's something we have to remember. And I really, really want to encourage everyone, go to protestpp.com. Again, that's protestpp.com. You can pull up the contact information for your California governor or whatever state you may be in to ask them to keep the abortion clinics closed at this time. And it's so easy. It maybe takes 30, 45 seconds to put that call in. And there's a script right in front of you of exactly what you have to say. Trust me when I say it'll only take you a minute.
2: And I do think we're already starting to see some victories. If I saw correctly, I think Texas is considering it. It's already putting it through to close down abortion clinics in their state, and so um, this can be done. And we have a a lot of uh, encouragement, and we know that uh, our our Lord will be victorious over this and uh, that He can use even the most dire of moments to bring about His greatest victories. So we're going to continue to make those calls, continue to reach out to our elected officials and, and really hope and pray that they will have the best in store and seeking justice for those who are the poorest of the poor.
0: Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T I M M E R I E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics.
1: I'm back with Father Tim Grumbach. Thanks for being with us. A little later on in the show, we're going to be talking about some comments from Orlando Bloom, recently engaged. She's talking about pornography, celibacy. Did you know that he was celibate for six months? We'll be coming back to that in just a bit. Father Tim, there was this meme that Pam Stenzel, for those who don't know her, a major Catholic speaker, um, she specifically speaks to the issue of chastity, abstinence, uh, was huge in the Protestant world for many years and converted to cal- Catholicism. I believe sometimes over the last 15 years or so. And she has just been an absolute warrior in presenting the lifestyle of abstinence to young people from both a secular perspective and a Christian perspective, but she posted this meme, Father Tim, that got a lot of response. And then I re um, it and I have gotten so many messages over the last few th- days about this meme. So here it is. And I'll be sure to repost it again on my Instagram at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. But here's what it says. Women now looking over at their boyfriends, wondering if that fool can hunt, make a fire, etc. And now you're second gu- guessing them skinny
2: jeans. This is going to have to become become a part of my uh, wedding prep. I think, <laughs> that, you know, just kind of, you know, it, it, yeah. Women will be uh, I, not that I, I pretend to know what women are looking for, but they're going to be looking uh, for certain things. Women looking for different things in men, but it's going to be important to ask these questions of uh, what are you looking for in, in a man, and you know, this honest, you know, this this is men, you know, fulfill these things, and, and if not. You know how how are you how are you going to live together? And one of my favorite questions now to ask is if you were quarantined with this man, or speaking to the man, if you were quarantined with this woman uh, for for two weeks during a coronavirus, you know, would you be able to survive? Would you be able to find the space uh, that you need for your 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 own privacy, but will you also have things that you could share with one another? And, you know, these are serious questions that one must ask.
1: Right. And, you know, I have to say, you know, just seeing how my husband has responded to little things that have been going on, if this were to get worse, I mean, again, if, and I don't think it's going to get to this point, there could be people, you know, looting grocery stores, looting houses. And I know that one of the things my husband has done is to take extra protective measures, just even within our own home, to make sure that we are safe. And so there's a lot of, I think, validity to this meme because it's addressing the fact that I think, in a way way that has not really hit women before necessarily, especially some of the younger girls in particular, uh, they're questioning like, hey, would he be able to protect me? Would he be able, if necessary, to be, you know, a hunter gatherer in a different way or to even just be creative? Would he be capable? Would he be courageous enough to do it? Would he even be willing to do it? You know, I think all of these questions are very valid questions.
2: Yeah. And it's something amazing to see as couples grow in their marriage to one another. And that is maybe something uh, people might not think uh, explicitly, but they might live it that way, is that they won't get married until they have this person figured out. Mm. But that the whole journey and experience of marriage is about learning about who this other person is in the light of the promise that you've made before God and that God is invited into you, in, in you, and has, God has prepared for this from the moment that you were created. You know, I was just with a a couple a few weeks ago, um, an older couple and uh, parishioners here at St. Augustine, and they wanted me to share this story whenever I could to prepare couples for marriage and just to encourage people in the most difficult of times. But uh, the husband just passed away a a, a couple of weeks ago, and it's really difficult during this time because you know we felt like our, our prayers weren't answered for his healing and also, he deserves this great big funeral, and we can't do that right now. And so, you know, God is transforming us through our prayers. Um, but one of the most beautiful moments that, uh, that the wife shared with me was that, you know, after so long together, that in this moment, to watch him struggle for healing, she was learning like 15 new things about him that during their long marriage together, and you know, whenever he got like a cold or something like that, he would cry like a baby, she said— But as she watched him trying to recover from some serious strokes, she saw the fight in him, and she was learning something new about him. And it was so profound and and so humbling to stand in that sacred space and then to be asked to share that, that married couples from the very beginning of their relationship um, can be looking for these things. But to know that you're not going to know everything there is to know about this person. But these questions are still going to be so important, and they're going to unveil themselves in some of the most difficult of times, is the fight that the man has to continue to live and to care for his bride and his family, but also the, the love that the wife can have for her husband when he can't even take care of himself anymore. And so it's just a really profound encounter with the way that God's love makes itself known through married life.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timree. You know, we're talking essentially about that male female dynamic, that discernment of who are we going to date? Who are we going to marry? Who are we going to spend the rest of our lives with? And that question of skills is coming up in a way that has that it hasn't come up in a while, you know, and even just this example, the story that you just told Father Tim, you know, that question of, does someone have the skill set and the discipline to fight? to fight to the end for what their responsibility is because ultimately we're responsible for what we do up until our death. From there, we can't change things. And so here is a man who was clearly fighting to continue to be able to provide for and care for his family. And at the same time, we're living at a point in history where people don't know how to do basic skills around the home, you know, changing a doorknob, for example, or, you know, Oiling some hinges on a door so that it doesn't squeak, which are really simple things. And if we, you know, made the effort or if someone was willing to mentor, I think, especially like young men today, it would make a big difference in, I think, empowering the next generation to take a deeper level of responsibility.
2: And that sense also comes from some indifference as well. I can see it in my own life, the, the way growing up, where um, you know, not an not an indifference of like I don't care, but um, I'm just willing to adapt to a lot of things that are broken around me, and that can be frustrating <laughs> to some people. So it depends kind of on the temperament. Like I will just let things kind of some things kind of fall around fall apart around me, and I'll just get used to it. And my dad, who's like, who's a car guy, and he, he loves you know putting things back together, taking them apart, and putting them back together. He doesn't understand me in that way. I don't think. Um, and 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 he's like, I don't get it. Why Why you just you know. You don't just take care of things. I'm like, because, you know, I it's not that I don't care, or it's not really this indifference of not caring, but, you know, I see it as something of a, you know, I'm, I'm willing just to adapt to things um, as they are.
1: Yeah, you know... Uh, it, and. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you say that, Father Tim. Sorry to interrupt there. Uh, No, no, it's okay. But it's this level of, um, I like where you talked about, it's not that you're indifferent, but some people may be indifferent. But there's this adaptability. And I think that that is really a skill that men should have I think we should all have right that you know whatever's going on whether it's a crisis of the coronavirus and everyone's stuck in a small space at home now or you know something's broken and maybe you don't have the time or can't afford to fix it you know that we're willing to adapt but I think on another level although that adaptability is really good I know that there's a lot of male female dynamic that occurs where you know maybe one spouse is really prioritizing fixing something and the other spouse is like well this is a low priority in comparison to everything else that's going on. So, yes, I'm going to fix it, but I'm going to fix it in my timing. And I think that that's the challenge where um, that adaptability and and indifference, you know, I think sometimes we don't know which one is actually present.
2: Yeah, that priority term is so key right there is that what some people might see as that's not a very high priority. The other person might see, oh, you just don't care about it at all. And so that communication needs to happen right there. But I think another issue really is the um, availability of information on how to learn to do things Mm. is that, you know, I could just jump on YouTube and learn how to do almost anything. I don't need to ask my dad to teach me how to you know change my oil or fix my battery or anything like that on my car. I, you know, I don't need to have that in-person communication anymore. And so maybe because it's so easy to find that information that we're losing that personal touch, um, of of how to learn how to do things and we can just kind of rely on oh the information's out there and for some people that might be oh it's so accessible that they don't even access it and for others it's just a matter of i'm not learning from my father how to do things Mm. that he did my whole life to take care of me or some people facing the problem of not having a father or a father figure in their life and you know men not you know that crisis of uh Fatherhood, that lack of a father figure in men's lives, which is so common in the world right now, that people are just not learning how to do these basic things.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Tim. Ray, don't miss an episode. Head over to Radiotrending.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on, so that you can take us with you on the road. Father Tim, you were talking about how there's this kind of um lack uh, in our culture, even for yourself, of uh, you know going maybe and asking your dad how to do something because there's so many incredible resources that are actually available to us that we only really seek them out when we need them. But isn't that a problem? That I think there's an. element of maybe we're only seeking out the guidance we need when we have exhausted all resources via our technology. When we vented on Facebook, you know what I mean? When we've searched for a bunch of self-help videos on YouTube and there's this kind of lack of connectiveness that occurs sometimes as a result and it keeps making me think, I think it was a Gillette commercial. I might be totally wrong, but there was a commercial about sometime in the last year and a half, two years and around Father's Day, and I want to say it had to do with shaving of a go ask your dad how to do this. And I thought it was really neat because I think in our culture, not only have men maybe stepped down from their responsibilities, um, but the culture has made men irrelevant at times by not um, holding that deeper level of need for them because of technology.
2: Yeah, I remember that ad. And I remember uh, thinking about that a lot is um, the, the lack of fatherhood and, and as something as simple as just teaching a young man how to shave or when to begin shaving or, you know, these little things that a dad might feel this tremendous pressure to uh, run their son's life. But it's just these tiniest little things that the men can look up to and learn how to pass on to other men in their lives.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. We'll be right back here on Trending. We'll be talking about dating and even Orlando Bloom here on the show.
0: You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timmery.
1: I'm back with Father Tim Grumbach, and we're going to be talking about the great increase accessibility to dating websites. Now, if you're cringing and saying, please don't tell me to try online dating, I will, but I want you to think about it in a little bit different of a perspective. So we'll be talking about that in just a second with Father Tim Grumbach. First, a message about our sponsors. Solidarity HealthShare is simple to help pay for affordable quality health care. They enable the community to share in each other's eligible medical expenses. You choose the doctors that you want to see. Even integrative and alternative medical treatments are eligible. Solidarity HealthShare helps pay for NAPRO technology and costs associated with natural family planning. Solidarity HealthShare is dedicated to both faith and your health care. Information is available at SolidarityHealthShare.org that's solidarityhealthshare.org father tim i've been receiving all of these various emails from some of the major catholic dating websites that in fact they are now accessible for free in light of the coronavirus crisis and i've been thinking about this and i think it's a really incredible moment for some of these catholic organizations such as catholic singles and catholic chemistry to open their websites for free for people to use them and i always say this it's not online dating i think we need to kind of throw that out the door because i think a lot of people have a lot of discomfort and anxiety and trepidation about online dating but father tim i call it this i say it's online introduction it's just one more place where you could meet someone new and take that conversation into real life in person.
2: Yeah, I like that term, online introduction, because um, when I meet with couples who are preparing for marriage here at the parish, so, so often, I, I don't want to give a percentage to it, but so often when I ask them their story about how they met, they will kind of laugh a little bit and say, oh, it was online, as if that was almost not something appropriate for um, you know, getting married in the Catholic Church. But more and more I'm meeting these couples who have met online and some amazing stories about you know the first time they did meet and now they're preparing for marriage and so you know I was a little suspicious at first maybe as a seminarian and learning about marriage preparation and you know how deep can these relationships go if they started online but yeah, that might be a, a, a kind of an illusion we set up for ourselves that oh maybe they were like in a chat room together or something <laughs> like that. You know, kind of thinking back to the old AOL chat room days and whatnot. But that this is something that can be very legitimate, and I've celebrated some marriages and and seen some very holy marriages come out of this online introduction. And so it's not something to be afraid about. And you know, I've even had couples kind of say, yeah, we have our made up story about how we met kind of jokingly. <laughs>
1: yes, I know those. Uh, but
2: uh, Yeah, but it's so beautiful to see that, uh, you know, technology is allowing for these introductions, uh, especially, um, you know, for for some women and some men who don't feel comfortable going out to the, you know, the bar scene or other social settings that they can still reach out and meet real people. And, you know, we have to kind of redefine what we mean by real life, don't we? Is that, you know, just because somebody meets online doesn't mean it's not a part of real life. But we have the temptation uh, to you know, maybe put up the, the, the picture that doesn't really look like us or show only what we like best about ourselves and to kind of create a persona. But these online introductions have to become something more. They obviously can't become marriages if they stay at that level of how you met online.
1: Right. That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timory. One of the things I wonder is if a lot of people have maybe been scared out of utilizing these resources. I'm not going to call it online dating. It's not. And I think that, you know, I have to keep coming back to this. We've got to throw that out of our head. It's an introduction. It's an introduction because if you have that attitude, it's going to be a completely different attitude as you approach it. And if you disagree with me, please let me know. Tell me why I'm wrong because I want to hear um, how we can maybe better explain this as a way to be introduced to someone in a couple of directions I want to go with this Father Tim one of those is that I think some people have been scared out of it because of different shows such as you remember that show Catfish I don't even know if it's still on TV anymore uh, um, where it used to show like those horrible you know dating online experiences gone wrong when someone was like a creepy pedophile looked totally different use fake photos and I know that there are other more modern shows like this I don't know maybe Catfish is still running uh, that show you know those online dating moments gone bad but those are for the sake of entertainment and the reality is is that your life in my life, are not just entertainment, and it's not just a means of gossip for other people. We're talking about the reality of marriage. We're talking about the reality of friendship and meeting people with similar views, similar interests, a similar creed of faith, and wanting the best for one another. That's what we're talking about, not just the drama of a television show about dating.
2: And any experience of married life has to move very quickly beyond um, I'm only going to let you know what I want you to know about myself. That's actually a major part of the wedding preparation is let's get beyond that part of your relationship and open up this communication if it hasn't already. I've been pretty fortunate. Most of the couples I've prepared have gotten beyond that rather quickly, and they begin you know, to open themselves up in a vulnerability, not just to show the parts that they might not want another person to see, but allow that person in to start moving things around. So, you know, on online dating, you're not going to be able to really do that. Or if, mm-hmm. if you are, it's it's going to be difficult to difficult to communicate those things. But if we're talking about online introduction and then, uh, you know, a couple can begin to meet and begin to open up those avenues of communication, uh, which include a vulnerability and honesty uh, and uh, a protectiveness too. like I want to protect this person and let them know that they can be open and vulnerable to me. And, you know, but it's a protected space, too. That's that's something that uh, can't necessarily happen online.
1: You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to get from point A to point B. And again, looking at these online resources, which are free, if you're just joining us right now in the midst of the coronavirus, Catholic chemistry and Catholic singles are free. I believe Catholic chemistry, you have to write them a note if you need um, that free option, but they will give that as an option for you. Again, Catholic chemistry. Uh, But I think of this as, you know, a different road in terms of everyone meets in a different way. Everyone has a different dating journey, a different engagement journey and you know I think back to the years before us, before cell phones and instant messaging and you know before email, before all of this, I mean people used to write letters because people used to be separated by vast you know quantities of land and space where they couldn't see each other as often as we do in our current time because they didn't necessarily have cars or airplanes and so I think that that lost art of letter writing has so much to say because, you know, some people would become engaged and wouldn't see each other for a couple years because someone would be serving far away in the war. Uh, Just because we're not living necessarily that in the current age doesn't mean that there's not relevance to written communication about one another.
2: Yeah, and letters allowed that longing of the heart to grow, that you would have to put so much uh, of your own heart down on the page in front of you and it was going to abide there. And then it was going to take time to get to somebody. Then it was going to come back. And you know, I, I just think a lot about how when my older brother joined the Army, he was just 17 years old. And he and mom would write letters back and forth all the time. And my mom kept all those letters and you know, just kind of the, the stories that we got to read coming back from my brother. But having to wait, but still thinking you know, even further back, not even that much further back in history, how much longer it would take for letters to come back and forth. That we have moved to this expectation of immediacy, which isn't entirely healthy, but it also um, allows us to say, okay, I've written all this down and I can delete it with just a single button. Or um, it doesn't allow for that, that longing of the heart to grow the same way that letter writing did.
1: That's Father Tim Grumbach. You're listening to Trending with Timmery in just a bit. We'll be talking about Orlando Bloom and some of what he's had to say about kind of preparing in a sense for that person you're going to marry one day. So don't go away. Father Tim, you know, I've been talking to my sister lately about how there's just this increase in loneliness depression anxiety and even suicide among young people that is so tragic and she was talking about how it's so common especially among um, people from having been overconsumed by social media it makes us feel less than it makes us overly compare things it just is so consuming that we're missing out on real life and so she and I have been talking about well let's write more letters together because there's this joy of staying connected with people on social media but there's an even greater joy of of maybe receiving it in the small gift of a letter in the mail, where, like you said, we maybe share things in a different way than we would on an Instagram message or a post on Facebook, right?
2: Yeah, sharing it in a very different way. And uh, I keep coming back to the uh, that, that word abide. Somebody used that once, uh, you know, whether we're, we're journaling or if we're writing letters, that... It, it abides right there in front of us, that we pick our words carefully and we want to express ourselves so carefully, especially when you don't have a, a, an autocorrect fixing everything. Mm. That way, um, uh, without that autocorrect, without that you know, safety net, you you want to make sure that you're being heard in, in a very careful way. And that's, a, that's an important part of the communication that goes into dating and married life.
1: This phase we're in right now with the coronavirus will pass, and so I want to just give a little bit of an update because I know a lot of uh, young couples right now who are engaged or who had weddings planned, um, all that preparation for the wedding. For some, the marriages are being postponed because of the coronavirus or they're having to scale down to more of a private celebration. What's happening from the Catholic Church's perspective on marriages?
2: It depends on the diocese, really. Uh, Here in Los Angeles, we are still going along with the marriages that we've scheduled, but we have to limit it to 10 people or less in the Church at a time, which is really difficult because we want our our weddings to be big and and to be a celebration of the life that we have ahead of us. But this is a really serious thing that we're considering, and uh, some dioceses have have canceled the weddings altogether, Um, so hopefully that's something that uh, can be just merely postponed rather than canceled. But uh, there are some beautiful videos online of people celebrating their weddings during this time, and just with the humility to celebrate in an empty church while their friends and family wait out in the parking lot, but to come out with the same mm-hmm. celebration and the same life, knowing that this is how our life started, but this is going to transform us and place us into a, uh, an experience of the sacrament that is show that, hey, we love each other, and no matter what's happening in the world, God is going to love us through this marriage and love the world through it as well.
0: Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T I M M E R I E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics.
1: So apparently, there's a, this mandatory production hold on porn, the porn industry. I mean, Shouldn't this be reasonable in light of the coronavirus that they're temporarily putting a kind of pause on pornography? Well, believe it or not, it actually has nothing to do with a coronavirus. They put a temporary pause on production for pornography because of questions surrounding sexually transmitted disease testing. Isn't that fascinating? Father Tim Grumbach is here with me here on Trending. Father Tim, what are your thoughts on this one?
2: we take every little victory we can when it comes to uh, (laughs) shutting down the porn industry. You know, we're looking at this also, is that probably the demand is going up. I know that. uh, Yes. I think Pornhub is offering maybe free subscription or something like that to those in Italy who are in quarantine. And if that's not the the devil offering his hand uh, to drag people down to the hell, I don't know what is, Uh, Mm. but that finally the production is being put on hold. And, uh, you know, that's, Again, we, we talked about this with the abortion industry uh, earlier in this episode, is that um, we are doing so much that we can as a church um, and as citizens to to stop the spread of this, to be careful, to make sacrifices for the sake of those who are uh, vulnerable to the coronavirus, but that industries like, like the porn industry and, and, and the abortion industry are somehow, or at least were, finding ways to continue doing what they do. And it, it, it's a really painful thing for us to see that I can't celebrate Mass with my parishioners, but somebody can continue producing porn or, or uh, performing abortions. It's, it's really uh, the, the strangest world that we could live in right now. And I think God is um, working so powerfully because He's revealing these things, and He's revealing them to our hearts, not in the way that the devil accuses and leaves us to sit in our guilt, But this is a real opportunity of transformation for God to reveal what's on our hearts in front of everybody, it feels like. But through that, to begin the process of healing and, praise God, begin to shut these things down.
1: You know, I want to encourage you if you are maybe someone who is struggling with pornography, or maybe you know someone who is, or maybe you've just been making excuses like, yeah, I know I probably shouldn't do it, but you, you know, you just let it continue to go on. Or maybe you tried a little bit, but haven't really put that intentional effort forward. Or maybe you have, and it's just been a difficult beast to tackle here. I want to encourage you that it is possible. And there are so many men and women who have been liberated from those shackles of pornography and what it does to your body, your soul, and your mind. I want to encourage everyone to check out a program by our dear friend, Matt Frad. Matt Frad started this program last year called Strive. And Strive is a 21-day detox from porn. You can find it at strive21.com. Again, that's strive21.com. I'll be sure to post links out to it as well. But again, it's a 21-day program to detox from porn. And, you know, we we always talk about things you need an accountability partner you need to have filtration software on your comu- on your computer you need to utilize prayer and the sacraments reconciliation the eucharist you know we need to have all hands on deck here in order to overcome a pornography addiction
2: yeah and looking at how it's, it's a healing of the whole person is that we need so many different um, uh, sources of this healing that it's not just a matter of stopping doing something, it's not a matter of trying to, like, white-knuckle our way through anything that we might be addicted to, but it's a need for community. I want to reach back again to the uh, that beautiful image of the Gospel and the Mass for today, of the man being healed in the pool from John chapter 5, is that, you know, they were so reaching out to these healing waters, but they were only receiving physical healing. But Jesus was going to reach into this man's life and bring him more than just a physical healing. And so you know, reading through this article about the, the, you know, stopping the production of pornography at the moment and how some you know, that came about because of the, the testing for STDs uh, rather than testing for coronavirus, is that they, they, they will point to all of this testing that happens and says, we take care of our actors, we take care of uh, those who are involved in the production of pornography. And uh, I, one could say that they do in that physical sense. But, you know, Jesus didn't come just to heal people physically. Almost every physical healing that Jesus performs in the Gospels comes along with a a spiritual healing, a forgiveness of sins. And so I I would dare to say that Jesus doesn't care if we're physically healed if it doesn't do anything to our heart mm, and to our amen. soul. And renewing our relationship with God, you know, the, the devil could probably work healings as well. That's why the, uh, the Pharisees would look at Jesus and say, no, you get your power from Beelzebul. You get your power from the prince of demons. So they kind of expected that even the prince of demons could be working these healings, but that you know Jesus is pointing in every one of the healings, especially in the Gospel of John, that this is about more than a work of power. This is more than physical healing. But we need to do something deeper, and, this is, and it reveals how, how Jesus renews the covenant that we have with God. And so to point out an industry like the, the pornography industry and say they take care of their actors and their physical health well we have seen too many stories of people not only physically but also mentally and spiritually destroyed by that industry
1: you're listening to trending with tim that's father tim grumbach i'll be sure to post out links to his social media always a joy to follow father tim in his posts you can find me at tim that's t-i-m-m-e-r-i-e what's your social media handle on instagram father tim
2: uh, it's at father underscore Tim underscore Grumbach, I think. <laughs>
1: we'll post um, links it's, it's out like to that. it.
2: You'll be able to find my name on there. It's, it's not Daddy wops anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It always reminded me, I know you hated this, of the NSYNC song, Dirly Bop. I think that's oh, part, yeah, right, probably yeah, right. part of the reason why you changed it, because I kept bugging you about that. Um, it,
2: was, it was time.
1: <laughs> you know, I keep looking back to this story and how, okay, so there's a lockdown in production of porn, there's a hold, and so what we've seen is that there's been an increase in both independent um, and, you know, major porn corporations um, doing more work in what are considered cam girls, and if I understand this correctly, Um, It's just one girl in front of a camera. You can watch her nude, folding her laundry, um, you know, cooking. You can watch her performing various acts, um, just her live there on the camera. And so basically this solo performance increase is just really heartbreaking because I keep coming back to, you know, and maybe you're disagreeing with me. Maybe you think, you know, there's nothing wrong with pornography, but I love looking at the words that St. John Paul the Great had to say as Carol Votila in Love and Responsibility when he talks about how the problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much it's that it shows too little and I have to say you know I'm someone who's coming from the fitness world from the performing arts world with a major background in dance and I have an incredible respect for the human body and the beauty of the human body I think the body is gorgeous and I get it sometimes you know there are different types of fashion where you can't deny that especially the woman's body is gorgeous but at the same time what's being communicated what sense of self-respect is communicated within her what sense of you know confidence is being communicated is it just because she's showing off her body or you know what type of message are people having in their minds about that individual and so that idea that it shows too little is really at the core because we're a body and a soul. There's more to who we are than just what we look like. And I think that that's what's so important to understand with this entire pornography issue.
2: And we were made for and by relationship, too. And it's impossible to have a relationship with a cam girl. I'm sorry uh, to have to speak that way. But oh no, I'm not sorry, because it's impossible to have a relationship with a cam girl. Like the Unless you consider the relationship, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who talked about the, the way of fantasizing about uh, about women, especially something like this, would be like you've created a harem of women in your own mind, in your own heart, and you can call on them to do whatever you demand of them, and so you're using them in your mind, and you're not ha- truly having a relationship with them, and it's going to affect not just mm. you, or not just the women that you are are forcing to do what you may want them to do in your own mind, in your own heart, but it's going to affect every other woman that you come across as, as a man. I can say it, it can affect the way that I would see any other woman that I come across. If I developed this harem of fantasy women in my mind, and that is something mm-hmm. that you know this rise in the popularity of cam girls is doing right now and has been doing uh, with uh, websites for pornography and the, the availability And how easy it is for anybody to access these things.
1: And, you know, the question has to be asked, what happens to the poor women in real life? If a man has, or even a woman has, a sense of fantasy in her head, this harem of women and so forth, You know what happens when you have certain unrealistic expectations placed on women? That's a whole nother conversation. And it's scary, but it's something to keep in mind. I want to touch on some of the good stuff because there are incredible voices out there right now talking about their own past with pornography addiction, you know, being liberated from it. I think of someone you sent something over Father Tim this morning of Terry Crews and how he wears T shirts that are that say porn kills. But a new story came out just this week um, about Orlando Bloom and how um, before he became engaged and dated Katy, Katy Perry, he recognizes he lived kind of that playboy lifestyle and it was a friend who recommended to him that you know he quote unquote live celibacy right, be chased abstain from sex for six months before trying someone new ounce out that was new, and it was really good for him moving forward.
2: Yeah, and they use the word celibacy in that article. <laughs> he probably uses it him, himself, but we right. know that it that has a very specific meaning of of promising not to be married, and so living the chaste life through right. a virginity, really good that they're using that term, even if they're not using it you know technically correctly, yes. but that it's a beautiful thing that they are recognizing the gift that comes with being able to live a celibate, quote unquote, life so that it's not just a matter of abstaining but it's a matter of growing in love and preparing oneself for marriage mm-hmm. and the no of a celibate or chaste life outside of marriage is to prepare oneself for the greater yes mm-hmm. and i want to go back to that shirt that terry cruz was wearing that porn kills love shirt and the comment that was made about it was that you know somebody said "Oof, not loving the t shame kills kids and terry very quickly said uh, no porn sells kids it's this great no to something like pornography to announce a greater yes to the gift of human sexuality and the gift of self.
0: This has been Trending with Timmery. To book her to speak or learn more about her guest, visit radiotrending.com. That's radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes.